Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. My name is uh, Pastor Evan. I'm the senior pastor here. Welcome. It's so good to worship together this morning, and welcome to everybody watching online as well. Thank you for joining with us. Today we begin a new sermon series where we're reflecting on our core values as a church. These values that members of our church put together, worked through a process years ago to come up with, to articulate what is unique, what is important, what are some guiding characteristics of our church. So as we think about core values, I want you to think about what it is that you value. One way to think about this is, let's say your home was on fire and you had time to grab one thing. Imagine everybody's safe, the animals are out, you have time to grab one thing. What might you grab? I was talking with a couple that Brittany and I really look up to and we asked that question. The wife of the couple talked about how important it would be for her to grab all the photo albums and make sure she had all these memories, these pictures of their family. Her husband very quickly responded, my Hawaiian shirts, of course. How could I let those go? In his defense, the photo albums were already taken. So that's okay. As we've thought about what we value as a church, we've identified these values. And often people will say that they value things, but perhaps their behavior or actions don't reflect those values. The team here that that put these together really looked at what we already were doing. What made the Baptist Church of Westchester unique? What are the things that characterize everything that we do? These are the things that we would never be willing to compromise as we go and achieve our mission. They would always describe our activity. Our values are, and in no particular order, unbiased hospitality, responsive service, authentic community, and Christ-centered living. I'll tell you, as I was getting to know the church to come and be your pastor, I found these values and I love them. You'll notice outside our front door most days, there's a sign with information about our church and also those values. Because it's who we are. One writer says, you won't do ministry that really matters until you define what really matters for you. Another writer says, church without values is like a river without its banks. Values harness us and help us move forward together. And so today, we're going to examine one of those values. And we'll look at a different one each week. And the first is unbiased hospitality. Today we're going to see how this value emerges out of the early church in the book of Acts with a couple of examples where it shows up. This idea of hospitality is about welcoming. It is about loving others. The foreigner, the outsider, the stranger. 
So it's more than good manners. It is about love. It is about care. And we say it is unbiased. I think that's a helpful addition. So we might not show any partiality for any reason when we administer this love and this care to others. There's all kinds of scripture that show us about this idea. Christ lived a life of unbiased hospitality. Jesus talked about it. How everyone is our neighbor. But as we turn to Acts, I want us to see what it looks like for the church. And so that's what we're going to see. See, because we hear that word hospitality and, and we think about, I don't know, guest relations at a hotel. Just being friendly, it is so much more than that. So we'll begin this morning in Acts chapter 16. Looking at verses 14 and 15. This is Acts 16, 14 and 15. A certain woman named Lydia, a worship of God, was listening to us. That is, the Apostle Paul and others. She was from the city of Thyatira and was a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she prevailed upon us. When we look at this story in the book of Acts, Paul is going around and teaching in all these different places. He comes to the city of Philippi. And normally what he would do was would go to the Jewish place of worship, the synagogue, and teach there, but there was none in Philippi. So instead, he went outside of the city by the water, and there a group of faithful people were practicing their faith, praying and singing by the water. That was their church service. He meets Lydia, this Greek businesswoman. She sells this expensive cloth, and Paul teaches about who Jesus is. She's moved, becomes a follower of Christ. She gets baptized. Everyone in her house gets baptized. And here's what I want us to see about Lydia. As soon as she becomes a follower of Christ, her first response is to show hospitality. She says, come stay at my this happens all over the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts. When people follow Jesus, immediately they respond with hospitality. Caring for others. Inviting people in. Start giving of themselves and their resources to one another. She says, stay with me. I have room. Please, the text says, she urged them. And that she prevailed upon us. I love that language. She prevailed upon us. Like if you've ever had a meal with someone and you fought over the bill at the end, right? No, I'll take it. You take it. I'll take it. She won the bill at the end. She prevailed. But something we might miss about the story of Lydia is how radical and unbiased this hospitality is. See, at this time, in this culture, people with a Jewish background would not have stayed in a Greek person's home. It would not have been appropriate. 
And certainly men would not have accepted an invitation from a woman to stay in her home. That also in this culture would have been inappropriate. But because of Jesus and his boundary-breaking church where there's no longer Jew or Greek, male or female, slave or free, one in Christ, these cultural expectations dissolve. Lydia's hospitality is unbiased. And Paul and the others say yes. I love this little story because it talks about this beginning of what would become the church in Philippi. And years later, Paul would write to a church in Philippi in a little letter we have called Philippians. And here we see Paul just express this deep, deep love for this church. A group of believers started by Lydia, likely in her house. In fact, as Paul writes this letter, he's talking about some of the gifts that they've sent him. He thanks them. See, hospitality is the nature of Christ's church. And it should be ours too. Hospitality is the mark of a believer. Now, I realize you may have objections. You may say, I am not a people person. <laughs> I am introverted and this is stressful for me. I understand. I'm right with you. Often we have made it seem like to be a good Christian is to be extroverted and out there, but, but God desires us to be hospitable, yes, but not necessarily out there all the time. To use how God has gifted you and created you and made you to love others, that's what hospitality is about. Hospitality is not living without personal boundaries, but it is allowing ourselves to love in a way that stretches us beyond what we're used to. And there's another story in Acts, maybe my favorite story in Acts, where we see what this looks like. And I want to turn to Acts chapter 8 to see this other follower of Jesus named Philip. Now Philip had shown up just a couple chapters earlier. There had been a need in the church. Some of the widows weren't being taken care of. So they enlist some helpers, and Philip is one of those helpers to serve some meals, to take care of people who are hungry. It sounds like someone who would love this church. But just two chapters later, his role expands. We find him preaching and teaching. Now, not everyone will become a public speaker, and I appreciate the job security of that truth. But for this one... Philip just showed up to help, to serve a meal, to take care of some people in need, and more and more needs and things emerge that he could participate in. The Spirit of God uses Philip simply because Philip is willing to show up and help. I really believe that hospitality will change our community, but it also changes us. When we serve and we love, we become more equipped to serve and love. And then we get to this peculiar story in Acts 8, starting in verse 26. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up! Go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch a court official of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, 
in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning home, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. What a story. Somehow the Spirit says, Philip, go south to this middle-of-nowhere road. And Philip says, okay. He goes to the middle of nowhere where no one is, a wilderness road, and there he sees this person. An Ethiopian eunuch. A court official in charge of the treasury. Just in that description, we learn a lot about this person. We know that he is an Ethiopian. So he's from North Africa. But he had dark skin. Ethiopia at this time was often described in this culture as kind of the farthest place away. If you were imagining going somewhere as far as you imagine, at this day, people in this context would have said like, like Ethiopia, all the way to Ethiopia. And we learn that this official is a eunuch. And this was a practice at this time, especially for boys who would end up serving female royalty. They would often perform surgery on them as children. That would impact their growth and their hormones. So this eunuch is, is also wealthy, is important, is in charge of the treasury. And he's come to Jerusalem to worship. As he would have gotten to Jerusalem, he would have seen that he was an outsider, <laughs> different. And in the Old Testament, in some of the laws about worship, there had been prohibitions about eunuchs being able to worship in the temple. You see, because he was a eunuch, he would have been seen as unclean. So the official arrives to Jerusalem and discovers that not only is he an outsider because of the color of skin that he has, because of where he is from, but also because of he is now a sexual act outcast. In fact, we know that this journey likely would have taken five months each way. He spent five months seeking God, looking for purpose, desiring to worship. He gets to Jerusalem and the doors would have been slammed in his face. Sorry, you don't fit here. You don't look like us. And so he returns home. He's on this road in the wilderness. He likely could not have felt good. But funny things happen in the wilderness. Let's look at 8, verse 29. The Spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. And Philip, remember, because of his characteristic hospitality, who has shown up before, shows up again. Hospitable people show up. There was a, a CBS News story, I think that ran last week, about a man named Steve Young, 91 years old. And Steve has not missed a single Antioch, Illinois high school football game since 1946. Every game, including the fall after he had an accident one summer. He was in a car accident, broke several ribs, several other bones, while the EMTs had put him on a stretcher and were about to get him into the care that he needed. While he was on that stretcher, he was struck by lightning. 
That's a true story. And he still made it to the home opener. Not only does he go to football games, he attends almost every sporting event, goes to concerts and plays at the school. The students all remember him from all these years. They, the news story was incredible. They brought all these different people, grandparents of students who all were like, yeah, I remember Steve. He was always there. And at the end of the story, Steve said, his voice breaking with emotion, I've had kids come up to me and say, my parents never show up for anything. But Steve shows up. <laughs> Unbiased hospitality. Hospitable people show up. Even if it's to a JB high school band concert. <laughs> Who needs you to show up? here at the church, in our community, in your family, at your work or school, who might the Spirit be saying to you, go over and join them? Who doesn't have anybody else showing up for them? Jesus talks about this with his followers and says, those who follow him will show up to those without food and without shelter and without clothes and without justice for those who are sick and those who are in prison. It's a mark of the Christian follower to show up. And it's a mark of our church. Let's see what happens in the story. Verse 30. So Philip ran up to it and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he replied, how can I unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. And so I want you to picture this scene. This chariot is moving along all the bumps and twists. It's hard to read. You ever try to read in the car? And here comes this person. Person of the Jewish faith running up to him. Running. Because the Spirit said, go join this person. Philip does it with everything that he has running. I love that. It's the same verb that we find in the story of the prodigal son when the father runs out to meet the child who has come home. Philip runs towards this man when all the other religious folks he had met in Jerusalem had run away from him. And Philip hears him reading Isaiah and says, do you know what you're reading? The man says, how can I, if, unless somebody helps me? Philip, will you sit and will you guide me? I came to Jerusalem hoping somebody would just sit next to me and guide me and talk to me and be with me, and it didn't happen there. How can I understand Isaiah? Well, nobody will talk to me about it. So Philip, will you? Will you sit by me even if everybody else that I met thought I would make them unclean? Are you willing to risk your reputation to guide me? And Philip got in and sat beside him. I love that this happens in the wilderness. Our hospitality doesn't only happen in the church building. Here it happens in the wilderness. This moment of compassion and interest in care, unbiased hospitality. 
That's what we're to be about. It will happen not just in this place, but everywhere we go. These core values should follow us around. Let's keep reading. Verse 32. Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb, silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation for... His life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom may I ask you? Does this prophet say this about himself or someone else? What this man is reading in Isaiah is what's known as the suffering servant. It's proclaiming how someone will suffer for all and by that person suffering forgiveness will come. Restoration and hope will come. Yes, for you and for me, for all, even hope for an Ethiopian eunuch. See, just three chapters after this reading that he's reading, the prophet says that eunuchs and foreigners will find salvation through this suffering servant. I imagine this Ethiopian has probably already read that chapter. Perhaps that's what set him off on this journey. I heard there would be someone who would welcome people just like me, but I didn't find him in Jerusalem. So he asked the question we would ask, Philip, who is this writer talking about? Himself or someone else? In verse 35, Philip began to speak, starting with this Scripture. He proclaimed to him the good news of Jesus. Philip says, it's Jesus. Everything you've read, everything you've been looking for, everything you've been hoping for, Jesus fulfills it, and it's also about you. It's about us all. Not just the religious folks that were in Jerusalem. Not just those of us who sit here on a Sunday morning in America. Not the people with the education or the good jobs or who vote in whatever way you think that they should vote. Or the people with nothing. This is about everyone. Undebiased. Philip sits with him and listens to him and responds to him. Hospitable people's only agenda is the people themselves. Often we hear about like the hospitality industry. You can get a degree in it. It's good, right? It helps people capture leads and sell things and create a good corporate culture. But Christian unbiased hospitality cares about people because they're worth caring about. The end. Philip showed up, met this man, and revealed that Christ is God who came to live and work and suffer and die and defeat death once and for all so that all would be welcome into the family. Let's look at what happens next. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, here's water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop both of them, Philip and the eunuch, and went down to the water, and Philip baptized him.
This person who's already been told no so many times. Who's gone to the temple and said, you're not welcome. Who was said to be unclean. says, Philip, what's to prevent me from being baptized? What's the thing that's going to keep me from fully participating in the new kingdom? You can hear him take a breath being like, what's going to be the catch? And not only is there no catch, God provides the water. Remember, this is a desert road and there's water. What's to keep us? What's to keep you from being baptized? If you've not been baptized, no, baptism is a sign that we as Christians do to proclaim that we belong to Christ. That things have changed. That we have died to the old way of living and we walk in a new way. We dip into the water and remember. And then we reemerge, symbolizing to all Christ who was immersed in a cold, dark tomb as an executed prisoner but burst through the tomb three days later alive. He's baptized. Now we don't know what happens next. The story's wild. Philip just kind of poofs away to a new place. We don't learn anything more about this character. But here's what we do know. We know that the church in Ethiopia and across all of North Africa became a stronghold for early Christianity. And we know that some early Christian writers and leaders mention this particular man as a leader in that church. This man, the first non-Jewish person in Luke's story to be baptized, a man from Ethiopia, a union, part of the church that God has set into motion, breaking down barriers, a church of unbiased hospitality. There are some of us in this room who relate well with this Ethiopian. Perhaps you worried about hurdles that would prevent you from being part of the family of God. You're saying, what keeps me from being baptized? Can God really love me? Could God do something new in me? Yes. If that's you, I'd love to talk with you after the service. Maybe you want to be baptized. We can talk about that. Maybe you relate to that woman Lydia looking for a way to express her faith and be hospitable, to open up your life and your time and your budget, to care for people and celebrate God's goodness in you, there are many ways that we can do that together as a family. It can be simple. Maybe even delivering food like Philip. Did you know that our church coordinates food delivery through the Westchester Food Cupboard? And you can help with that if you want. There's lots of ways that we serve this community. Is God asking you to show up? The Spirit is calling all of us, maybe even a little like Philip, to run towards others with unbiased hospitality. Are you willing to sit next to someone, to show them that they matter, to share life with them like Christ shares with us? I have two challenges with you in an exercise as we end. The first is this. This wild conversation happens in the wilderness. And so I want to challenge you this week to make some time for the wilderness. God shows up in the wilderness. I don't mean go out into the woods. What I mean is unplug. Turn off your phone. Spend some time listening and asking God 
to show how you can live the value of unbiased hospitality. Disconnect from the distractions and ask God to speak. I also want to challenge you to have a conversation this week that maybe you normally wouldn't. That as we think about who is it that, that we need to show up for, maybe the Spirit gave you a name or a face. If not, maybe ask that God would continue to do that. Think about that. Pay attention to that. And then have that conversation. And then as we close together, I thought it would be good and right if we did a practice. And so I want us to do this responsive reading together. It comes out of Matthew 5 with Jesus' words. And I'm going to read the non-bold part, and the bold part is yours. Are, are you ready? Are you awake? Let's see it. Let us remember the words of Christ who said, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. When, Lord, were you were a stranger that we welcomed among you. Next slide. Truly, as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. When we welcomed a stranger, we welcomed you, Christ Jesus, in our midst. And now, let me pray this over you. And I'm going to invite the choir to come up right after that and we'll respond with a song. Loving God, You call us to create unbiased, hospitable community. Help us to overcome any fear and anxiety we may have of those who come from other lands or cultures or experiences or backgrounds or lifestyles. Give us the courage and the wisdom to build our community together on this value of unbiased hospitality. Grant that we may all live together in peace and love. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.